Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. As you know by now, we're in a series called Kings. And we're looking at various kings of Old Testament Israel and Judah. It's important that we look at their lives because from their lives, God shows us what to be and what not to be. We've been looking at some kings who were evaluated as ungodly. We've looked at some who were evaluated as very godly. And today we're going to look at a king who was a godly king who is perhaps, among other things, best known for begging for more. And God gave it to him. Begging for more, and God gave it to him. 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. Now I want you to skip two chapters to 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings chapter 20, we're still talking about King Hezekiah. 2 Kings chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. In those days Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order, because you are going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people. This is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. They did so and applied it to the boil and he recovered. Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now? And Isaiah answered, this is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or shall it go back ten steps? Well, it's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward ten steps, said Hezekiah. Rather, have it go back ten steps. Then the prophet Isaiah called on the Lord, 
And the Lord made the shadow go back the ten steps it had gone down in the stairway of Ahaz. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of worshiping you at Christmas time. We thank you for the decorations, and we thank you for the carols, and we thank you for the anticipation and the excitement that is inherent in this time of year. We thank you most of all that during this time of year we get to celebrate the fact that you left your throne in heaven and you became a human being, first a child, then an adolescent, then a young adult, and as still a young adult, you had lived perfectly, sinlessly, and you went to die on our behalf. On earth, you didn't live to be an old man at all. You didn't even really live to middle age. But what you did during the short time you were here has changed our lives. Because for those of us who have received you as Savior and Lord, you have changed our eternal destiny. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to study these kings what they did do, didn't do, should have done, should not have done, and what we can draw from their lives and apply to our own. As we pray, Lord, we lift up people in our church who are hurting. Lord, I pray for Melissa and Nicholas and Natalie, and for Mr. Rusty and Miss Violet, and for Johnny. Lord, I pray for Hilda and for Clyde, for Mr. Barfield, for Dot, for Miss Marie. I pray for Charlie. And I pray for Betty Burrell. And I pray for Lawson Sayer and Mike Laster and Jim Pullum. And I pray for Buddy Thompson. Lord, right here in this place, there are people who are hurting. Some of us know what it is. There are others who are hurting, and there's not a soul who knows about it except for that person and you. And so, Lord, we do not assume to know what to tell you to do. That would be presumptuous on our part, I think. But Lord, what you know in your infinite wisdom is best for each situation. I pray that you'd do just that. These are exciting times for our church, and these are struggling times for our church. Lord, you, more than anyone, knows you know what we need. So God, give it to us. Show us what we need to do, how we need to do it, and give us the will and the courage to do whatever it is that you say. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
That passage that I read to you from 2 Kings chapter 20 is an unusual passage because you'll also find that exact same passage in Isaiah chapter 38. And you'll also find that same passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. That passage about Hezekiah being sick unto death. And God sending Isaiah to him to say to him, you will die and not recover, so you need to get your house in order. It's a a passage that is recorded almost identically three different times. Let me ask you this question. Wouldn't it be great, whatever your job is, whatever your, your most important job is in your life, wouldn't it be great for somebody to say about you, she is the best person on this job that we have ever had and we believe ever will have. Wouldn't that be great for somebody to say that? Or for somebody to be able to say, you know that guy who has this certain position in our company? We have never seen anybody do a job in that position better than he has done. And let me tell you, anybody else who follows him will have a hard time being as good as he is. Wouldn't that be great? Don't you think that'd be great? Well... That actually happened to the king we're studying about today. Hezekiah is the only king so far about whom it was said by the inspired writer of Scripture. He was better than all those who came before him, and he was better than all those who came after him. We're talking about, of course, King Hezekiah of the southern kingdom of Judah. Let me tell you a few things about Hezekiah, just Uh, for information purposes. First of all, he was the 13th king of the southern kingdom of Judah. You know, they had 20 total kings in the southern kingdom of Judah. Of those 20 kings, eight of them were godly kings and 12 of them were ungodly kings. Hezekiah was one of the eight godly kings, the 13th king of Judah. He assumed the throne of Judah at age 25, according to 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 1. He reigned for 29 years, sometime between 715 B.C. and 686 B.C. He, just like uh, his uh, grandfather, is mentioned in the genealogy, the family tree of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 1. We're talking about King Hezekiah. He was also the king in Judah when the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel took place sometime around uh, uh, the late 700s B.C. He was the king in Judah when Assyria came down into the northern kingdom and demolished the northern kingdom of Israel and took the northern ten tribes away into captivity. And actually, not only were they in captivity, but they were no more. They never returned. Hezekiah was one who enacted religious reforms. His father was an evil king, but Hezekiah was a godly king, and he took away all the pagan idols, he took away all the high places of worship, of idol worship, and he reinstated the worship of Jehovah God in the kingdom of Judah. And so he was such a good king that 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 5, summarizes King Hezekiah's legacy with these words. It says this, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. You see that last phrase? 
You see that last phrase? Basically, they were saying this guy in this position did a better job. He was greater than all those who came before him. And not only that, he was better than all those who came after him. One of the reasons why God looked so favorably upon Hezekiah is because Hezekiah was a king who begged for more. He begged for more of God. He could not get enough of God. He was constantly praying to God. Before he ever made any major decision, he would go to the temple or he would get alone with God and he would ask for God's counsel, his God's specific and direct counsel. He could not get enough of God. He was constantly begging for more of God. And he was begging for more from those around him. He expected great things from the people around him. I have noticed among uh, people who are, who are looked upon as great leaders. Not only do they expect a lot of themselves, but they expect a lot of their people. They expect a lot from the people who are around them because they know that with God's grace, these people can come through. He begged for more of God, and he begged for, for more from those around him. And most importantly, as far as what he's known for, he begged for more time. He begged for more time from God. Well, I want us to think about some things that we learn from uh, the life and reign of King Hezekiah. Some things that we can draw from his life. The first thing I want you to notice is this. From Hezekiah, we learn that what matters most to God is how well you finish your life, not necessarily how well you started it. When we come down to the end of Hezekiah's life, for the most part, he's a king who did godly things. He's known as a godly king. However, at the very end of his life, he got prideful. He made mistakes. And uh, these mistakes threatened to uh, injure permanently his legacy. But let me tell you something. What I see from this passage of Scripture is, yes, God cared about the way he ended his legacy, but I want you to, I want you to hear this. A lot of people worry about, well, you, you just don't know what I've done. You just don't know where I've been. You just don't know the mistakes I've made. God could not possibly love me, or God could not possibly use me, or God uh, wouldn't possibly want uh, to give me a significant role in whatever his plan is for, for our lives. Let me tell you. God is concerned with where you're headed, not where you've been. With God, what matters most is how well you finish, not how well you started your life. The second thing, and this certainly is true of Hezekiah, the person who genuinely trusts in God will see God's power upholding them even during trying times. Hezekiah was king in Judah during some really, really tough times. The northern kingdom of Israel was uh, besieged by Assyria. Their king was Sennacherib. And in the, early, uh, the late 700s B.C., uh, Assyria leveled the, the northern kingdom's capital of Samaria. And the northern kingdom was taken away. Then they came down into Judah and they besieged Judah while Hezekiah was there. These were not good times. And yet... In spite of the difficult times, Hezekiah genuinely trusted the Lord. Let me tell you, one of the things that you and I must learn about trying times is this. Those are the times when, as much as any other time, we need to trust the Lord. When life seems to be falling apart, we need to trust the Lord. And so 
when Hezekiah was surrounded by the Assyrian army, and they were taunting the people of, of Judah, trying to get them to, to not follow Hezekiah, but to give in to the Assyrian army. Hezekiah, instead of giving in, he went straight to God. He trusted in God, and God, because of his trust, Hezekiah's trust in God, God showed Hezekiah some great things. For instance, uh, if the Assyrian army had chosen to come on into Jerusalem, they could have wiped out Jerusalem very easily. It would be almost like uh, the number one or number two college team playing uh, some uh, middle school team in football. It would just have been a total wipeout. But Hezekiah prayed to God. And then Hezekiah decided to send envoys out to the Assyrian army. And when those envoys went out to the Assyrian army, what they found was that the Assyrians were dead. The Bible says that God had sent an angel, one single angel, that had wiped out 186,000 in the Assyrian army. God did great things in response to the genuine trust of this great king, King Hezekiah. Now, the third thing, though, that that we learn from this, uh, yeah, a king that genuinely trusts God and a person who genuinely trusts God, God is going to show them some things. He's going to see you through some things and and you'll be able to see him do some things that you would not ordinarily uh, see God doing, may not even expect God to normally do. But when God does great things in your life, there's something we need to be very careful about. And what we need to be very careful about is we must maintain an attitude of humility before God. You see, there's a little tricky irony about the living out of the Christian life. It's it's a very tricky thing. It shouldn't be this way, but it definitely is this way. At least that's what I've observed and I've seen other, other people writing about this observe this. It's this. Quite often when you and I as Christians get closer to God... We pray more, we're in the Bible more, we're worshiping more, we're, we're, we're meditating on God's will more. You'd think that the result of that would be that we would become more and more godly. That's the way it ought to work. And sometimes, thank goodness, it does work that way, but quite often, the closer we get to God, the more devoted we become in our Christian life, the more proud we are of ourselves for doing so. This happened to Hezekiah. It turned out to be a great blemish at the end of his reign. He saw God do great things, and yet, as he was getting closer to God in his genuine trust of God, instead of becoming more godly, there was a period there where he lapsed into sinful pride. And that pride was almost the undoing of Hezekiah. And ladies and gentlemen, it'll be the undoing of us. We can become proud of how spiritual we are. And let me tell you, there, there are few things that are more sickening than a, than a Christian who has a superiority complex with regard to their spirituality. There are few things more sickening than that. A person who you know is a Christian and they want everybody to know that they are a bit superior to everybody else in terms of their relationship with God. The person who experiences the miraculous powers of God must be a person who maintains an attitude of humility and uh, obedience to God. The fourth thing I want you to notice from Hezekiah's life is this. 
There are things in our lives and even in our churches that served a godly purpose in the past, but they can become ungodly idols in the present. Now, I want to show you this. In Hezekiah's day, do you remember way back when Moses was alive, back in the book of Exodus and Numbers? The Bible says that the children of Israel, after Moses led them out of Egypt and into the wilderness, where they were wandering for 40 years, there came a time when the people were worshiping pagan gods, and Moses got really angry about it, God got more angry about it, and God started killing people for it. God started doing away with people who had worshipped this this idol calf God. And Moses began to cry out to God on behalf of the people. And God said this, he says, I want you to make a a snake, a a bronze snake, not a real snake, but but I want you to take some bronze and, and form out of that bronze a snake, a serpent. And God said to Moses, he says, everybody who looks on that serpent, that that brass or bronze serpent, they will uh, be rescued. They will survive. They will not die. And so it was a very important thing that that, uh, God told Moses to do. He took the the bronze snake that that he'd fashioned and he held it up. The people looked to it and they survived. No longer were they getting killed. Well, as you might imagine, that became a very, very valuable Antique for the people of Israel. Moses came and went. Joshua came and went. Samuel came and went. Saul came and went. David came and went. Solomon came and went. And all of a sudden you've got 13 kings later in Judah and they still have this antique bronze serpent. Except now, people are praying to it. It has become an idol. I'll tell you, this is something we need to think about as people who are longtime Christians, people who have been in long and uh, long established churches. Is this? It is so easy for us to find something, whether it's a building, a table, a Sunday school room, a certain type of chair. You, you take it, and all of a sudden. What was originally something that was good and brought in to do some practical good in the church, it becomes an idol that we will not let go of. So what Hezekiah do? I'll tell you what he did. He did something that could have got him beheaded. He took that bronze snake and he crushed it into powder. And he did away with it. What do you do? with something that when it was first designed and built or whatever, what do you do when it was first designed and built for a good godly reason when that thing has become an idol? Maybe Hezekiah is teaching us that you've got to do away with it. Let me tell you, anything in your life, I don't care how good it started out, anything in your life or my life that becomes more significant to us than following the current will of God for our lives is an idol that is not worth keeping. Things that served a godly purpose in the past can become ungodly idols in the present. And then the fifth lesson that we learn from Hezekiah is this, a person needs to be careful what he or she prays for. 
A person needs to be careful what they pray for. You know why? Because God sometimes will give you what you pray for. Even if what you prayed for was not what He wanted to give you. Would God do that? Oh yeah, He sure would. Do I like it? No, I don't. But I'll tell you, all of us have had the, had the uh, situation where we prayed to God for something. And we were sold out in the belief that what we were praying for was something God would want us to have. And yet God didn't want us to have it. And we prayed for it so adamantly without being willing to change our mind or even consider what God would have us to do or what God would have in mind for us to have. And God will give you what you pray for. 2 Kings 20, Isaiah chapter 38, 2 Chronicles chapter 32. You think this was an important thing? Do you know how many passages of Scripture are related almost verbatim three times in Scripture? Not many. The fact that it's related three times gives us some indication of how significant this story was. The Bible says that Hezekiah got sick. And it was a terminal disease. We don't know exactly what the disease was, but one of the symptoms of the disease was he broke out in, in infected boils on his body. And the Bible says that God sent Isaiah to Hezekiah and said this, You need to set your house in order. Get your will ready. Say your goodbyes. Do whatever you need to do. Get a successor for king. Do whatever you need to do. Set your house in order for you will die. You will not recover. Do you get that? You will not recover. So what does Hezekiah do? Does he set his house in order? He really doesn't. Does he go say his goodbyes? He doesn't. Does he uh, uh, update his will? He doesn't. He doesn't do what God told him to do. Instead, he gets down on his face before God, weeping bitterly, and he begs God for more time. And the Bible said that before Isaiah was back home from his initial message to Hezekiah, God said to Isaiah, I want you to go back, and I want you to tell Hezekiah, tell him, I've heard your prayer I've seen your, your, your bitter weeping, and I'm going to give you what you asked for. I'm going to add 15 years to your life. In fact, this day you'll go down to the temple, and great things are going to happen to you. Well, Hezekiah is one of these Gideon-type people who needed a sign. And so he asked uh, Isaiah, said, what sign uh, can God give me that he's actually going to do this thing? And Isaiah said, well, I'll give you an option. Either the shadow can go forward 10 degrees or it can go backward 10 degrees. And Hezekiah said, well, you know, it's, it's just normal for the shadow to go forward 10 degrees. So if God's going to do this for me, tell him to make the shadow go backwards. And the scripture says that God did just that, made the shadow go back 10 degrees from some time that had gone forward in the past. God gave Hezekiah 15 years. He gave him what he asked for. Now watch this. In the third year of that extra 15 years, Hezekiah and his wife 
had a son. And that son's name was Manasseh. And he turned out to be the worst king Judah ever had. He was born during the additional 15 years of Hezekiah's life. Had Hezekiah died at the time originally set by God, you would not have had Manasseh. I don't know who would have been king, but it would not have been Manasseh. And whoever that king would have been might have been just as bad as Manasseh, but we'll never know. We'll never know because Hezekiah was intent on asking for something, and God, even though it was not his plan A, gave him what he asked for. Back during the latter part of the last century, while we were involved in a war in Vietnam, Russia was involved in a war in Afghanistan. And we didn't like Russia. We didn't trust Russia. We didn't get into the war in Afghanistan as far as our our troops going there to fight, but we did send uh, special forces soldiers over to Afghanistan to train their soldiers. There were ladies whose husbands were sent over there to train the Afghan soldiers in their fight against the Russian army. And some of those ladies, some of those wives were Christian, and they would, they would pray a prayer something like this, God, please protect my husband as he's over there training these soldiers and, and help him to train them well so he can hurry up and come back home and they can win their war against the Russian army. Now, I wouldn't blame a wife for, or spouse for praying that for her husband or his wife who's over in Afghanistan training soldiers in a very bad place. You know, get it done, get it done well, get back home. God, I pray for that. And God answered those prayers. He helped our trainers train those Afghan soldiers so well that they repelled the great Russian army, even though they were heavily outnumbered. And our guys, in response to the prayers of Christian wives like the one I just mentioned, they came home. You know who they trained? One of the guys they trained was named Bin Laden. Be careful what you pray for. God may give it to you. And then, will you be able to live with it? Well, let me finish with this. Because the most important thing that I glean from the life of King Hezekiah is this. That God is a merciful God who will not abandon you when you fail. Hezekiah was not perfect. In the end of his life, he got prideful, made some serious mistakes, asked for something that God gave him that really he should never have asked for and never have been given. And because he ended his life in a, his reign in a bad way, ended his life in a bad way, he could have been given, a, boy, he was an ungodly king. But that's not the way the chronicler rem, remembers him. He remembers him as one who trusted the Lord, the God of Israel, and there was no one like him. You know what that tells me? That tells me that God is a merciful God. It also tells me that you don't have to be perfect. 
for God to think highly of you. Now, I'm not encouraging people to try to be imperfect. Please understand me. But I'm telling you, when you fail, when you make mistakes, and Satan tries to tell you that God is done with you, just remember Hezekiah. God will not abandon you just because you make a mistake. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the legacy of Hezekiah, a good king, a godly king, better than those before him or after him, in spite of the fact that he wasn't perfect. Lord, that gives all of us hope. Lord, he was a man who was great because he had a relationship with you that was intimate, that was constantly seeking more time with you. And Lord, that's so key to a fulfilling life. Lord, I pray for anyone who's here right now who has never invited you into their lives to be their Savior. And Lord, that's, that's where a fulfilling life, an abundant life begins. And I pray that someone here in this service would invite you to be their Savior. And I pray that someone here in this service would experience your presence, your life change. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.